figured I would just sit down and just, you know, fuck it. Let's let's do a podcast. Hello? Really? We should do a podcast. Hello? Hey, this would be a great podcast. Let's fun. Let's do it. Cliffy, it's Uncle Cliff, Cliff. Cliffy? Hello, Cliffy? It's podcast time. Gimme, gimme, gimme a man after midnight. And now, the Birthday Boy Podcast. Are you listening? This is episode one. Clippy, it's Grandma Clip Clip. No way. I think it's gonna be terrible. Licky boom boom down. Clip, this is your uncle Clip Clip. Here's the host of Birthday Boy Podcast. Terrible. The one and the only. The Jenny Boy. Positivity is for fucking assholes. My little baby boy. Did you write La Poopy? Baby Butter Boy. On one of the sausage sandwiches. Womack style. Hey, Leo. Lindy. This sandwich says La Poopy on it. I love you. What are you trying to serve here? Toggling your balls. Any tips? Toggling your balls. For eating abroad. Uh, toggling his balls. Uh, just below your nipple. Wait a minute. The biggest one yet. Grown ass adults. Toggle your balls. Wearing sports jerseys. Toggling your balls. The road rash book. Fifty shades of gray. Hot and twilight. The biggest one yet. Tremendous talent. Lindy. Oh my god. I got a little getting even to do. It's going to be outrageous. Kindness matters. Your grandmother. La Balena Blanca Bastante. Great Donnell Winslow. With a capable whitefish. Lindy baseball. The whitefish is semen. Lindy. The whitefish is semen. Wheat Fern piss stains. My little baby butter boy, little butter boy, clippy boy, baby boy. Knob, New Hampshire. Wheat Arnold P. Quackers. That's how you get blisters, Clippy. <laughs> That's how you get blisters. Fauntleroy Fuckleberry, and of course, Womack style. Anus von Sweets. That sure tastes delicious. In my mouth. Yeah, you got y'all got ratatouille. Bibleopoly, Cliff. Everybody down! Boggle, you balls. We got bigs at three o'clock. The oatmeal tasting booth. Get to your foxholes, goddammit! Boggling your balls. Hello, sixties, my old friend. Boggle, you balls. Baby butter boy. I'm better than a lot of people. The biggest man, the best. And I just want to point that out. You goddamn butter boy, son of a bitch. Cliff, this is Cliff Book 9000. I can't get a fuck on you, son of a bitch. Wouldn't you like an oatmeal taste? Your grandmother just told me the good news. Oh, look up, look down, freak out, freak out, yeah. Helmet mayonnaise. Ever came up with fry yay? The rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air. I hate you. And a delicious Helios pizza in your oven. It's partly cloudy. Hashtag blessed. Puzzle, you balls. I call it the Butter Boy Express. Womack style. Ching ching money. Me. Me. You. My so called friends. The Womack family holiday spectacular. Happy to pop in and say hi. All right. Well, there's a whole, uh, whole bunch of rain coming. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. It keeps it from being uh, extraordinarily cold like it is right now. I was going to go for a walk, and then Alexa tells me it's 30-something outside, and iPhone tells me it's 42. Relax, Alexa. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about you. I wish Alexa just knew when I was talking about her, not to her. I'm not giving you commands right now. You can calm yourself. Yeah, the rain is coming, and just uh, 
I think a little too late because the rain was, we should have had rain a month ago to help get those fall colors where they need to be. But uh, I think we're too late. I think all the rain's going to do now is just, yeah, it's just going to knock all the, all the leaves off the trees. So yeah, pretty, this will end up being easily one of the, maybe the most disappointing fall foliage seasons that I, that I can certainly recall. Still better than anything else. A couple of things. You know, my kids, they're not afraid. They're just not afraid of scary movies. It's, It's the craziest thing. My oldest used to be afraid. One one Halloween, we were coming back from trick-or-treating. And uh, we were standing in the driveway or something. uh, And and down at the the end of the street, we heard uh, just a lot of, you know, hollering and laughing and just a lot of noise. And and my oldest got like freaked out. I mean, they were three at the time. Nah, yeah, she's barely three years old. So of course, yeah, you're scared by stuff. Just, what what's what is that? What is that, Daddy? <laughs> and I I was like, oh, I think it's just a big group or something. That's literally what I said. It's a big group or something. And they go, big grouper. And then ran towards the door. And I'm like, wait, no, big group. Like a big group of people or something. It's just a big group. It's, it's a bunch of kids trick-or-treating at the end of the road. They're just, you know, they're just laughing and yelling and having a, you know, having a fun little spooky time. That's all. And Cam goes, I don't want a big grouper. I don't want the big grouper to come near me. And I'm like, a big grouper would be a fish. There's no big fish walking around the streets on trick or uh, on, on Halloween. So that's the kind of I mean there you know there just used to be one time we we uh we moved into this house and I made a joke that the house was named Charlie. And Cam went, "What? Charlie?" Ah! <laughs> and so I think what I've done though is I've try I, I saw how how scared the kids would be of just of, of so many things. You know, I didn't want them growing up to be a Rod and Todd Flanders. So I'd go out of my way to just uh, scare the shit out of them at various points. I mean, not in a, not in a, you know, those, those videos of the dad with a, with a hockey mask and a chainsaw waking up his kids. No, nothing like that, but just, you know, just getting a little, uh, you know, we'd be on a walk in the woods and be like, Oh, well, we better watch out for the Wendigo. What? <laughs> you know they the wendigo they roam these woods in search of their next delicious meal just those kind of things no big deal we'd go to a museum and i would say uh i hope these mummies are not the cursed mummies that i heard were lying in the crypts beneath this hallowed ground ready for just the right time to awaken and terrorize. <laughs> what? Yeah, you know, just shit like that. Just being, you know, being an asshole. Jerky dad stuff. Uh, and now we're at the point, you know, a couple years ago, I want to say maybe two years ago, a year and a half, two years ago, I don't remember. 
We showed them The Shining. Yeah, they liked it. I thought it was fine, but nothing really. You know, I mean, it's that's not a particularly. I was never scared by The Shining. I I, I really love that movie, but I never was scared by. Uh, nothing, nothing. Of course, the first time I saw The Shining, I was seventeen. Uh, and then we showed them The Ring, which really creeped me out when I was, I was 22 when that came out. Saw it in the theater. Creeped me out. Had me spooked. Had me real spooked. Didn't want to answer the phone. Uh, and nothing, nothing. Crickets. They just thought it was silly. Uh, as I mentioned last week, we watched The ho- we watched Host, or The Host. Uh, great. Cam really enjoyed it. Kaylin saw a little bit of it. Nothing. We watched the uh, the the taking of uh, I can't what the hell name of it. Sarah Logan, the taking of Sarah Logan, the old lady with dementia, but it's not really dementia. And they were laughing the whole time. They were cracking up everything. It's not it's not very scary, but it, they were cracking up. Even the stuff that I thought was a little creepy, they were just like, you know, you see the. The dark room and a little white figure. It's the old lady creepily walking through the house. And, you know, it's, it's creepy. And they're just, they're just laughing, laughing their heads off. Uh, what did we watch? Oh, gosh. Oh, we watched. Uh, so, <laughs> so then Friday and Saturday night, we, I, I said, okay. Uh, we, we watched Us earlier this week. I think Wednesday and Thursday night we watched Us. And they really liked it. You know, when I first when I first saw Us, I was neither scared nor in, I, I thought it was terrible. I thought it was really boring. I thought it stunk. Watching it the second time, I really liked it. It's still not. I mean, there's some there are some creepy parts. The little the little doppelgangers that can run fast and they can move differently, and it's it's really creepy. Climbing on things and whatnot. You know, it's it's it is creepy. It's a good movie. That is a good movie. I. I take back, you know, I don't know if I ever said anything about it on the podcast, but I take it back. It's a, it's a very good movie. Um, it's really well done. I didn't like it when I first saw it. And I watched it this time. I'm like, wow, I, this isn't the movie I remembered. And I, and I didn't remember much about it. I, I quite enjoyed it. The kids really liked it, too. At no point were they scared, you know, when the, when the, when the creepy doppelganger family is standing at the end of the driveway and, and then they start banging on the door. And st- I mean, nobody was like, that's scary. No, nobody was scared. And then I said, oh, and we watched Hell House. Uh, last week I've mentioned Hell House, which scared the shit out of me. The first time I saw it, scared the shit out of me. The second time I saw it, which was last week, I'm hiding under a blanket fanning myself. Oh, the vipers. And uh, the kids are just like, this is, they really liked it, and nothing about it was scary to them. Nothing. And I, and I kept saying, you you don't think that that big clown who's not a person and he's just standing at the top of the stairs, you don't think that's scary. And then they look down the stairs and then the camera pans back and the clown is staring at the cameraman. That's not creepy. That's not f- messing you up. And then that guy, the creepy, weird, little sleazy camera man guy, is doing his little video journal at the end of the day, and the, the the shadowy girl figure is standing in the 
in the in the doorway. That's fucking creep. That scared the shit out of me. And they were like, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't scary at all. And not in a, and not in one of those kids like, oh, I'm, nope, I'm not scared. Nope, nope, nope. But really, they're just. We would if it was actually scary to them, we would know because they would be coming into our bedroom every five seconds, uh, pretending to need something so that they could, you know, try to try to weasel their way into our bed. That's how we would know. And that doesn't happen. That's not happening at all. What's happening is we put them to bed and they go to sleep and they sleep soundly and comfortably. That's how we know they're not remotely scared by any of these movies. So Hell House, we watched the Sarah Logan, Shining, Ring, Us, uh, you name it. Uh, we watched some of uh, Cabin Fever last night, skipped through a lot of it, but it's, it's pretty pretty gruesome. Uh, and, you know, they just were cracking up at that too. Uh, you know, just a, just a number of things. Um, we might, we might watch, we might watch Wrong Turn and Joyride, some of these classic early, early aughts movies that were all, you couldn't tell one from the other. And, and Kimmy and I saw them all in the theater because we had nothing else to do. Uh, we'll try some of those. None of it, none of it's going to, they'll be laughing during all of it. Uh, as they were laughing during the trailers to all these movies, we should, trailer for Jeepers Creepers, they were cracking up. They were cracking up. Uh, the only thing is these most of these movies are not available streaming anywhere, so we'd have to buy them. So there is a good chance we won't be watching them. Even for three ninety nine, I don't want to own Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> uh, so finally, we got through, yeah. Shining, The Ring, Us, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Hell House, Sarah Logan. The paranormal activity movies they watched. Nothing. Nothing. Didn't creep them out at all. None of these, the fa- for me, the found footage, like, I am a sucker for found footage. I love found footage. That's the only thing that really does, you know, there's there's movies that are scary. But the found footage thing, even though it's just, it's all kind of cliche at this point because it's been done so many times. But the, you know, walking down a creepy staircase and it's really it's just looks like somebody holding an iPhone uh, going into a creepy, at- you know, it's creepy attic. The creepy basement, the creepy, I was creeped that, 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 uh, the host was, they had a lot of that shit. It was, it was, uh, it was really it was scary. It was great. That scared that, that movie scared the shit out of me. I don't mind telling you. There's these ghoulish, ghostly things and, and the kids are just sitting there like, yeah, that was kind of dumb. <laughs> Uh, so finally, we go through all these movies. Nobody's scared by anything. And so I Friday night, I said, "I've got one for you. I've got one. This is really gonna get you. Trust me. This is a scary effing movie, dude. We're gonna watch a film called Hereditary. It's very scary." And so we watched this. I mean, it's a two, two hours. It's over two hours long. So we, and we didn't start. I, I was finishing up work around 830 at night. So we didn't start this movie till, yeah, it was 830 when we started the movie. So we, we went till 930 Friday night, watched the first hour. And there is, I mean, there was nothing scary about it. it. It was the first hour was just, you know, it's really, it's, the whole hour is just setting the, setting the table, setting the mood. 
setting the tone, setting the pace, setting everything. And, uh, you know, it does move pretty slowly. And and something happens, I won't spoil it, something happens in that movie that is just so, like, out of left field that you absolutely don't see coming. And it happens, and uh, I admittedly started kind of laughing just because I had already, I'd seen it before, and it just the ridiculousness of it all. And my youngest and my wife were yelling at me like, "What? that's not funny, that's a horrible thing that just happened. And Cam's laughing too, of course. And, uh, but, but I said, well, are you bored by this movie? Do we, no, no, we like it. It's just not scary, but we're really enjoying this movie. Okay. All right. That's good. Uh, so we, we shut it off and then we finished it last night and I said, listen, and we waited for, we waited until it was dark. We eight o'clock or so we finished the rest of it. And I said, listen, the first hour of the hereditary is not really scary. It's really just setting up for what's, what's to come. And, uh, I said that the last, oh, I said the last 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so, oh, get ready, get ready. Cause this, I'm, I, I, I went out of my way. I guaranteed that they would be scared. I said, I'm guaranteeing you will be frightened. And there's a part in that movie when I first saw it, just, uh, when you, you know, it's a, it's just a long shot. I'm trying not to give too much of it away. Uh, a long shot of a somebody sitting in bed and it's very dark and if you're not really looking in the right spots you're not realizing and eventually you do realize that there is someone else in that room with him in a place that uh, would be a, an unnatural uh, unnatural and impossible for a human to be in that place but there they are and uh and it's when I first saw it, and I'm just kind of looking at the person sitting there, and then I realize, like, oh my god, oh my god, look at that's a, oh my god. And uh, we got to that part last night, and I'm like, don't you guys see? Don't you guys see that there's somebody else in the room? And they're like, and they saw it, and they're like, oh yeah, and they just started laughing. And I'm like, you're not creeped out by that, no. And. uh and then all the weird shit starts happening and and then there's there's creepy people in the house and uh with creepily smiling and the kids are falling off the couch laughing at all of it everything that's happening they're just cracking up so nothing and and actually I'm watching it a second does the second time I've seen that movie and I really loved it the first time I really loved it the second time too it's great it's really well done, uh, but yeah, it's not. It's it's not that scary. It's it's actually not scary. Hell House second time through, I thought ah, I've seen it before. I know what's coming. You know, Paranormal Activity scared the shit out of me. Those movies, the first time through, and then watching them the second time, it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's mo. That's the thing. Most of those found footage type deals, you you can watch it once, and and that's about it. It's good for one. One showing, just like Blair Witch. I remember watching again Blair Witch in the theater. I loved it. I loved the build up to it. I enjoyed it when it was in the theater, and then, and then it came out on <clears throat> on DVD. You know, just in time for Halloween, and I ran and grabbed my copy of the Blair Witch Project on DVD, and proceeded to watch uh, about ten minutes of it, and then say, you know what? I, 
I actually don't think this movie was that good now that I think about it. I really swallowed that hype. And, uh, yeah, this movie's not not scary at all. Great atmosphere, you know, in the fall, out in the woods, cold and leafy, all that stuff. Just a bunch of teens out on their own uh, or college kids, whatever they are. But, yeah, it didn't uh, – wasn't that good. Hell House – has me scared the second time just as much as the first time. And I knew it was coming, and it still scared the shit out of me. Uh, and the kids, they just felt nothing, nothing. Hereditary, nothing. Watching Hereditary the second time through, I still really enjoyed it. It just wasn't, uh, like most movies, not nearly as scary the second time through. But still great. It's still great. And I said, okay, well, next time we'll watch Midsummer. That won't scare you. That will just freak you out. Because it's so unsettling. It's just so unsettling. I really like that movie too. Really enjoyed it. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's, a, it's more, you know, Hereditary is not, there's really not a ton of gore. and it, There's no, uh, there's really, it's just the the atmosphere and the music and not really knowing, trying to, like, what's happening here? What is going on here? Uh, I mean, there is, there are some, I, there are some very graphic, gory parts. Now that I think about it, I mean, if you're if you're fans of people having heads attached to their bodies, I guess this might not be the movie for you. Anyway, um, but it's just it's great. And but the kids, nothing, and they just they went to bed, and that was it. I mean, in the old days, uh, the old days, if they heard a, you know, if they heard the heat click on at night, they would come. Uh, you know, one of them at least would come in and be like, there's noises in my room. There's scary noises. Someone's in my room. No one's in your room. We've been in the same place for years. Nobody's in your room. Trust me. And then we watch these actual scary things, and they're just like, "Nah, That was good. Thanks. That was fun. Okay. Good night. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm debating. It's about 9.30. It's Sunday morning. There's part of me that wants to turn on and watch some wrestling from this week. And there's part of me that wants to delete all of it. I'm set to go see AEW on Wednesday. I don't really, I really don't want to. I'm I'm so, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. Um, during the pandemic, we went into Boston a lot because there was no traffic. And we took, two, we've... <laughs> I want to say twice this year. It's it hasn't been a lot of trips to Boston. I don't. I don't even know. I don't even. I can't even think of. Uh, I took the. Uh, no, it's been more than twice. I've taken the kids there a few times. We went in on one Sunday and ice cream and stuff. We went on a Saturday and did some stuff. We went on a weekday and did some stuff. We've gone a few times, and uh, and I'm just I'm just tired of it. I'm like. It used to be, uh, you know, I was tired of commuting. Now I'm just, I'm just tired of, I'm just tired of just going there. And we go and we kind of walk around, and I'm just like, all right, you know, uh, the the chewing gum, the chewing gum has gone stale. The fresh piece of gum is now, now tasteless, which is terrible. It's a terrible thing to say. It's one of the great cities, it really is. It's such a great city, and there's so much aquariums and museums and. 
you know, anything you could think of, science museum, art museum, multiple art museums, there's sports, there's entertainment, there's shows, there's like things to do. Hey, I don't want to do all that stuff. Uh, just cause again, we're still in a pandemic, so I'm not like, you know, I'm not racing out to go be near a bunch of crowds. Um, and also I'm just like, I, yeah, I've just, after all these years, there's a there's definitely a, a certain level of exhaustion that has set in from even just getting in the car and, and going there. Because everywhere, everywhere in this area, there's there's no even there, I was gonna I mean there's there's plenty of country roads. They're just busy. There's just a lot of people. So it's a funny thing. It, New England and where we live here in southern New Hampshire, the the, the greater Boston area, I guess. Uh, Commutable to Boston. Um, it's a lot of, there's a lot of back roads. There's a lot of country. It's one of those weird things being from uh, a much quieter place in upstate New York. It's, it's a weird thing because it all, it looks like where I'm from. And uh, the, the trees look the same and the weather's the same and the seasons and the snow and the, the hot, humid summers and, it's only three hours. We're only three hours from where I grew up, but yet it's so very, very different. It's one of those, like if somebody uh, tried to recreate. It's it's like if I tried somebody tried to recreate my hometown uh, for a movie set or something like that, and they got it very, very close, but something's not quite, not quite there. Like on The Simpsons when Mr. Burns hired actors to play Homer and Marge and Lisa uh, to trick Bart into uh, thinking that they didn't care about him anymore. And Bart goes, there's something. And the guy playing Homer goes, Bo. You idiot. Homer Simpson doesn't say Bo. He says do. <laughs> da. Oh. And Bart says, there's something not quite right about this. That's what that's what New England is, which I'm sure New Englanders, if a if somebody from New Hampshire, and suburban Massachusetts moved out to uh, where I'm from, they would say the same thing. They're like, it looks a lot like where I'm from, it feels a lot like where I'm from, but something's not quite the same, and that's what it's like. I mean, I'm used to where if you take a fall drive out in the country. Up in the mountains, you are you, yeah. Lots of people go up and they leaf peep and stuff, but you can get to certain places where it's just you. In in New Hampshire, it's not the case. It's just not the case at all, because you have all the Boston people. I would imagine the Catskills are probably like that, because I would imagine a lot of New York City, uh, Long Island area folks who want to get up into the mountains to do some leaf peeping, I would imagine that a lot of them go to the Catskills. And far fewer make it as far as the Adirondacks. So it's really, you really feel like you have the place to yourself. Driving around the Adirondacks, driving around the countryside in, in New York really feels like you're just out in the middle of nowhere and you've you've got the whole place to yourself and it's great. Uh, you never feel that way. <laughs> the fall drives that we have taken and we're just sitting in traffic on a highway, just sitting in a parking lot of traffic. And uh, so it's never, and then anywhere you go, everyone's there. 
the farms that you go to are just so congested. So many people. Uh, there's one that's just right across the border, so it's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of mass holes, a lot of Boston people and whatnot, and they just oh, they just jam back into these places. So it's a little bit different than than what I'm used to. And I, I know some of the the farms and things in upstate New York, they get they they're very very popular because because in this day and age, a farm is not just a farm anymore. It used to be. You went to the farm, pick some apples, get some cider, get some donuts, pick your pumpkins, out of there. These places now, they have like, you know, they have literally, it's a theme park. All these farms have turned into theme parks. It's like Disney World Junior. And they have, uh, yeah, they have rides and they have attractions and they have all these, you know, it's just, it's insane. Um. You know, used to be the big attraction was like maybe there was a hayride and a corn maze. Now it's like there's a hayride and the corn maze uh, next to the roller coaster, next to the 3D immersive Halloween experience, uh, next to stage, uh, stage the, next to the main stage, uh, which is and then stage B is over there where we have concerts and it's just it's insane. It's it's so much. It's cool. It's really cool, but it's just man. It's also very different. Uh, so, anyways, I, I don't know what my my point is. Oh, so going into Boston, I'm just I'm just uh, we've we've done it so much and we've experienced it so much. We've gone trick or treating twice in Boston, in historic Beacon Hill. One of the if you read any any magazine article, any any web article about you know the top places you must go trick or treating in the United States, and Beacon Hill is always. It's certainly always on the list, and it's usually very close to the top of the list, if not at the top of the list. And it's awesome, yeah. Full size candy bars, of course. That's that goes without saying. It's just so much candy, an insane amount of candy, and also, uh, it's just the coolest because everybody uh, really does it up on there. I mean, these are these are all, for the most part, you're if you're in Beacon Hill, these streets are. Occupied by multi multi millionaires, you know, John Kerry lives there. That, that kind of thing. It's old money. It's old money, but it's lots of it. So there's lots of candy, and there's cool decorations. And some people open up the you know the haunted house. Uh, it's just and you know they have all kinds of things that they're you know it's 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 crazy. It's just great. Um, we, we've we've done it all though. I feel. And I've just I've gotten to a point where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of tired. I'm sort of just not in the mood. I, I really I want to finish work and then I just want to relax. <laughs> after all these years of doing so much stuff, after work on the weekend, just nonstop, nonstop, and maybe it's just the pandemic has has slowed me down a little bit. I don't know, but I, but. Yeah, I mean that was the thing. Last year we were going in to Boston. Christ, we were going in twice a week because there's no traffic and you just park anywhere. The kids would ride bikes. We just walk around. It was phenomenal. It was great. And uh, and now the traffic is back, and it's like old times except worse. The traffic is somehow worse, and so I'm I'm just not into it. And so that's what I'm thinking of. Like, oh man, Wednesday night. I'm really excited to go see AEW. But boy, oh boy, do I wish they were in New Hampshire, <laughs> or at least in uh, in Lowell, 
someplace closer. But that's that's all good. I'll drive in. You have to be vaxxed. You have to have your vaccination card to get in uh, or a negative test, uh, which I don't love. I wish it was just a vaccination card. But, uh, yeah, you need your you need your vax card. Uh, I think masks are required. I'm pretty sure. I will certainly be wearing mine. Uh, and that's fine. And I'll go and I'll, I'll see hopefully all the, you know, I've never seen CM Punk live. Uh, I've never, you know, there was a period of time where I just didn't go to wrestling shows because I did not care. I just didn't care. Stopped going in 2003. Didn't go back until 2017. So I missed seeing... Which is kind of crazy when I think about it. Uh, my favorite wrestler of all time is Shawn Michaels. And basically when I stopped going to wrestling shows was when he made his uh, his second career comeback. And had the best matches of his career. Which is saying something because the first half of his career was a Hall of Fame career. And I just didn't go. I don't know. I was, I guess I was, just, I was really content. I didn't give a shit. I'm like I've I've seen Shawn Michaels. I've seen him wrestle. He's awesome, but I don't feel like going to wrestling shows anymore. I, I felt like I would I had done so much damage to my ears that I just didn't want to go. So I said, I, yeah, I don't need I don't need to go see wrestling. But I missed out on John Cena. I missed out on Batista, uh, Shawn Michaels, um, CM Punk, Brian Danielson. Missed out on a lot of these guys. And then we went back. I mean, I guess we did see, I guess we did see Brian Danielson wrestling at some point, uh, but I've never seen CM Punk live, uh, so that'll be cool. And uh, to see, you know, the last time, the last time I saw AEW was pretty much exactly two years ago, and these guys were they were young up and comers. You didn't really know. I mean, Darby Allen wrestled. Didn't really know who a lot of these guys were. They were just brand new. You knew they were going to be big stars. MJF, you knew it was going to be uh, big time. And now seeing them at this point in their career, I think that I think it'll be pretty, pretty exciting. I just don't want to go. I just this is going to be it. It's just me because you can't get tickets to these things. A, they're expensive. B, they're sold out. And C, if they're sold out, then they're even more expensive. So you just. And the kids don't care anymore. They're they're not they're not really down with going to wrestling shows. So that's fine. That's fine. So I'll go. I'll go. I'll stay as long as I possibly. I, I'm not even sure if I'll stay the whole time. I'll see what I can do. If I've if I've gotten uh, what I want to see uh, in the first before the two hours show is is over, then I might I might just head out. And depending on where I park, you know, get get on the get on the T early, get a, you know, that's all I care about is just getting out of traffic, not having to sit through traffic, but, uh, yeah, good fun. Oh, we were going to go on a bike ride this morning. Well, we'll see about that. It's freaking cold out and I'm very content here on this couch. I find myself to be very satisfied here on this couch. Uh, speaking of wrestling, I tried watching Monday Night Raw earlier this week. And one thing that I've realized in the last... I, I don't even know when this happened. I don't know when this happened, but I've really... I, I, can't, I literally cannot watch WWE's product. Not, not unwatchable because the content is not for me. I mean, that's, that's largely true. But even when I try to watch it and I want to watch it and I want to enjoy it, I can't. 
and maybe I've already discussed this, but here's why. The camera cuts are so quick, so rapid, it's it's dizzying. It, it actually is. It's like you almost you get motion sickness watching Vince McMahon's wrestling product. Because and I did a I did a quick video. I was trying to watch Monday Night Raw this past week. Uh, I had it on for about a minute or two, and then I turned it off because I can't. They do these things now where uh, the camera cuts. So I I would love to see the production truck. That has to be just nonstop chaos for three hours. Ready camera one, camera one. Ready camera two, camera two. Ready camera three, camera three. Ready camera two, camera two. Back to three. Back to two. Back to three. Back to two. And camera one. Ready camera one. Ready camera four. Back to four. Yeah, it's it's it has to be just exhausting to to watch that because that's what it's like watching Raw. It's you could if you get a chance to watch Monday Night Raw or watch any WWE wrestling show. Check it out because and and count. Count how long they leave the camera on any given shot. Here's what it's going to sound like. It's going to sound like this. One, 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 two, one, 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 two, three, one, 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 two. It's, it's nonstop. It just cut, 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 cut. Cut to camera one, cut to camera two, cut to camera one, cut to camera two, cut to camera three, cut to camera two. It's crazy. And then they do things like if a wrestler has another wrestler in the corner and he's like punching him, just like one, two, three, four, five, you know, just pummeling. One guy's getting pummeled in the corner. It used to be that they just let the camera sit and you could watch it. Now they do this thing where they move the camera back and forth, like following the guy's fist. So the camera is shaking back and forth. If there's a, there's a there's a character called Cesaro, and he does the the swing, the big swing, where he just you know he grabs a guy's lying on the mat and he grabs his legs and then he just swings them around and around and around and everybody everybody in the audience counts to see how many how many swings he can do, and while he's swinging, the camera is just going left right left right left right left right as the he's following the person who's being swung around instead of just sitting still. And uh, and there's just so much of that. There's just and if there's a whole melee, if there's like you know five, six guys, just eight guys, ten guys, whatever it is, it's just a big a big all out melee happening in the ring. Then the camera is just going back and forth, and back and forth, and back. Like just sit still. We can we don't need the extra action. We get it. I can I can imagine Vince McMahon's like oh, we want to we want to show what an action packed product we have. Show everyone how much action WWE is, and I want the camera moving just like the, just like the sports entertainers. Because you can't say wrestler if you're in Vince's company. He's crazy. I was just, by the way, I was just reading something with Renee Paquette, uh, who used to be Renee Young, and she was in WWE, and she was, um, really one of the top talents that they had, like really a shining star, and just so you know, they've got so many of these generic guys. Everybody. Everybody, Michael Cole is uh, a real a professional to be able to to hang that as long as he has from 1997 till now and still be like the top uh, announcer, the head announcer in WWE is 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 great. Um, he's a pro. He can he knows how to eat shit. 
He's he's probably eaten more mouthfuls of shit than anyone in that business, I would think. Uh but he also stinks. I, I can't I can't stand him. I every every broadcast with him on it, I just say, God, he sucks. And I know it's not really that he sucks, it's that he's just taking everything. He's a company player. That's why he's been there since nineteen ninety seven. You you don't stay in the WWE for uh, 25 years by being your own man. You do exactly what the boss tells you. You eat shit. Vince McMahon wants to take a dump in your mouth. You open wide and say, yes, yes, please. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Uh, and Michael Cole proved how entertaining he can be uh, back in, say, 2011, 2012, when he was a villain. And really, again, he was just, it was it was Vince McMahon speaking through Michael Cole. Michael Cole was a a heel announcer, a villain announcer, making fun of a lot of the wrestlers, making fun of Jerry Lawler, making really like really cruel things. And it was very entertaining. And you realize like, oh, this is Vince. This is kind of like Michael Cole has now become Cartman uh, of South Park. (laughs) He's just Vince is saying all the things he wants to say, but he's saying them through Michael Cole as the evil announcer. And you realize, wow, this guy can really be entertaining. And Michael Cole seems like a he seems like a nice guy. He seems like a good guy, I guess. Um, but I can't. He's unlistenable. Since 1997, he's just been impossible to listen to. I can't stand his commentary. I can't stand listening to him. Uh, Vince obviously loves the guy because every announcer they have sounds. I don't know if I'm listening. I every time I watch wrestling, I think I'm listening to Michael Cole, and I realize it's somebody else. And they switch these guys now every few weeks. So I don't even know who the people are. It's the first time ever. I don't even. I don't know who these guys are who are broadcasting on Monday Night Raw, and I've, I've long since stopped caring. Uh, but Renee, Renee Young, Renee Paquette was, uh, you know, a backstage interviewer. She's great at doing that, like talk show host kind of thing. She's great at doing the backstage thing. She had a, a very mean Gene Okerlund quality to her. Where that was like a, a personality that really, you know, that really popped and really, you know, came through the screen. It was it was very fun to watch her her abilities. But you know what, Mean Gene was not good in the broadcast booth. He didn't do the broadcast booth that much. He didn't belong there, and neither did uh, Renee Young, in my opinion. I I didn't I didn't love her. It was great because she deserved to be in the broadcast booth on on Monday Night Raw. And to be the first uh, female play-by-play announcer on, on Raw, and I thought she did a, you know, she deserved getting there. And then when she got there, it was like, ah, this really isn't this really isn't her cup of tea. Uh, but it's also well known that anybody who sits in that position, whether you're greener than grass or a WWE Hall of Fame legend. Vince McMahon is sitting backstage monitoring everything and he's screaming in their ear. It's it's Mick Foley was once a, an announcer on SmackDown and he did a great job. I love when Mick Foley was the play-by-play or, or was the uh, color commentator on SmackDown. He was great. Uh and he quit <laughs> because Vince McMahon would yell, you know, this famously Mick Foley tells of Vince just screaming in his ear, "Say it." Say the line, damn it, say it. 
And, uh, you know, Vince is uh, just a notorious micromanager. He wants things exactly the way he wants them. There are words you can't say in WWE. You can't say hospital. Uh, And uh, uh, John Cena has been taken to the local medical facility. You have to say medical facility. We'll monitor the situation. John Cena is being uh, receiving treatment at a local medical facility here in the here in Chicago. Um, you can't say belt like championship belt it has to be championship. So anyone who says belt, uh, and I think Mick Foley got yelled at because he said belt on one of the broadcasts, and uh, that's a no no. Can't say that. You can't say wrestling. I think the only time they're allowed to say Russell is WrestleMania because 30 years ago, 35 years ago, Vince named his top pay-per-view WrestleMania back in the day when they still called it professional wrestling. It was the World Wrestling Federation. Now it's just WWE. They don't even – it stands for World Wrestling Entertainment, but you're never going to hear them say that because Vince hates the word wrestling because Vince really does hate pro wrestling. Vince loves money, and he loves to control people. <laughs> and I, I don't think he likes wrestling all that much. Uh, and he likes personalities and characters, which is great because that's what we want too. But, you know, we also grew up as wrestling fans, so we like that stuff as well. Anyway, uh, so there's, there's, there's words you can't say. There's phrases you can't use. There's stuff. You, I mean, it's just, you know, he has all these rules. And uh, Vince McMahon, notoriously, he hates sneezing. He hates when other people sneeze. He hates when he sneezes. He'll, there's stories that Vince McMahon will have a little hissy fit temper tantrum if he sneezes because it's something that he can't control. Triple H, who's Vince McMahon's son-in-law, told a story, I believe it was on a Vince McMahon DVD that they put out years ago. I know because I owned it. And I watched the DVD, and they're talking about Vince. And this is, again, the crazy thing about wrestling. Like the, how they would talk about, like, oh, he was a notorious prankster. Great pranks. Oh, yeah, he would take a shit in, uh, in one guy's cowboy hat, or he would uh, he would poop in their, their luggage, or he would take a piss in their shoes. I mean, just great pranks. And you're like, those aren't great pranks. That's fucking harassment. That's disgusting. Uh it's a fucking biohazard. That's what it is. It's not a prank. It's fucking sick. Um, it's kind of like that with Vince. I remember in this DVD, they're like, oh, Vince, you know, Stephanie, his daughter, and Triple H, his son-in-law, are telling the story about Vince, his his famous, te- oh, just uh, Vince has just the greatest temper. They're talking about it in a positive way. They, ha- they don't have enough nice things to say about Vince, so they have to talk about his legendary temper. And how they were they were all playing uh, playing a game of pool one night uh, at Vince's uh, West Palm Beach estate. His Palm Beach estate. I don't think it's West Palm Beach. I think it's just Palm Beach. Um, I, well, maybe it is West Palm Beach. That seems weird. I mean, the 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 billionaires live in Palm Beach. I don't know why Vince would be living in West Palm Beach. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but I mean, there's some anyway. His Florida. Uh, estate there one night Vince and Stephanie and Triple H were playing pool and Vince lost and he 
you know, slam the slam the stick down, and he was like, "Ah, oh, god damn it! Ah, oh, fuck!" And he was just screaming and swearing. And they're like Triple H and Stephanie are just sitting there laughing, like, "Yeah, that's Vince for you. He's a, you know, they spin it as like he's such a competitor that he just can't lose at anything." And so that's, but that's my dad. You know, he's just so passionate. He's so passionate that he'll take just a fun, friendly little game of pool. Ah, fuck. God damn it. And scream and swear because he lost to his son-in-law and or his daughter at the game of pool. And, uh, yeah, that's fun. So, anyway, Renee Paquette recently had an interview talking about when she was in, well, I guess in the commentary booth, Vince yelled at her all the time because he yells at everyone all the time. And that's why I say Michael Cole is a is a, deserves like a medal of honor or something for having to put – I can't imagine the things that Vince has screamed into his ear uh, in the last uh, whatever it's been, 24 years. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean there's there's footage on YouTube. There's a little like, you know, the like – people would record the satellite feed of raw where they would get the the entire you know people with these crazy satellite dishes who wouldn't pick up the commercials they would just pick up everything in between the commercials and before they went on air all this stuff is like you know because they're transmitting uh, this from the truck to the whatever and uh you'd hear michael cole during a commercial or doing you know off mic he's like uh uh yes sir yes sir Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. McMahon. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And this isn't this isn't like in the nineties when he was first started. This is like in the last five, six, some odd years, ten years that he's he's well established and he has to sit there and just Yes, sir. Oh, I was under the impression that uh, oh okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll do that next time, sir. Thank you, sir. And that's how you have to fu- I mean, you wonder why these wrestlers are uh, are just so miserable some of them and they go to these other places and they just they uh I, I can't imagine i can't imagine the level of pressure being a, a wwe superstar uh that has to be you know and you're expected for so many years expected to to play hurt you wonder why all these guys die in their 30s and 40s from uh abuse of of pain pills and mixing it with booze and stuff it's like you gave you literally gave your body to this to this business to this company and in the hopes of making a bunch of money and some people do and some people don't and then you you uh and then you you kind of have you know a lot of these guys they come and go thinking they're going to get their big break in the wwe and it doesn't you know maybe they're there for a couple years not enough to retire but enough to to you know live a certain lifestyle just in time just in time to get 86 <laughs> and and then be done and you know and then you see Vince flying around on a jet and he's a he's a billionaire he's been a billionaire for 20 years and uh it does have to be it does have to be somewhat upsetting to and then and to see them just use your your likeness and things in perpetuity on on these WWE network, uh, you know, DVDs and things like that. And it's like, yeah, where's the, where's my residuals? That's why. Yeah. Jesse, the body Ventura had a whole, th- I mean, he, he, I think he still gets paid a pretty, pretty good chunk of, of, uh, of cash 
for he hasn't worked for WWE since 1990, and he's he's getting money from from his work back then because he said no. If you're gonna if you're gonna make money selling tapes of shit that I have, I worked hard to to you know to be a part of that. I'm gonna get some money too. Anyway, but uh, but Renee Young was detailing how uh, she was doing like a panel thing to promote a pay per view. And it was when uh, this guy Tyson Fury was on the pay per view, and she was supposed to call him the linear linear champion, um, lineal lineal champion. I don't even know. I've never even heard that term. I don't follow boxing. I don't care. But I guess it was a big deal. And Vince loves monikers. Everybody has to have you know the Scottish psychopath and the Celtic warrior and the Sw- the Swiss cyborg and the monster among men and the you know the head of the table. Everybody, the lunatic fringe, the architect, the everybody, everybody has. It can't just be, you know, the name. Everyone has to have it, and it all it all sounds like it came right from the creator wrestler section of a video game. You know, what are you gonna give your name? Something, uh, some some generic. You know, the all star, <laughs> the the show off. You know, all these stupid names, you're like, I'm not going to pick that for my the name of my... Because you have to have... If you if you create a wrestler in these video games, you have to give them... If you're giving them a, a, a name, you have to give them a name, and it has to be something... It's a pre-selected name so that the ring announcer can say, and now coming down to the ring is the superstar, is the All-American, is the, you know... The battle machine, just all these crappy things, and now now every wrestler pretty much has those those crappy generic names. Uh, it's it's really actually Dolph Ziggler's nickname is the Show Off, and it's so oh just so crappy and cringy. Uh, anyways, she Renee Young was throwing to this video package and like ah oh, Tyson Fury, he's the such and such champion, and he's this and he's that. Uh, and she forgot to mention this lineal champion thing, and she threw it to the video package, and then in her in her earpiece is Vince McMahon saying, you ruined it. You fucking ruined it. You, you fucked it all up. You ruined it. Because she didn't say that one word. And then she talks about, like, you know, somebody, the person asked, like, does Vince ever apologize? He screamed. You know, there's all these notorious stories of Vince screaming in somebody's ear when they're doing a broadcast and when you get backstage later, does anybody, uh, does anybody say anything to him? Does he say anything to them? And it's pretty much like, no, he moves on. He gets really mad in the heat of the moment. He yells at somebody and then he moves on and then it's over and then it's on to the next thing. And it's like, man, oh man, that is, he's a fucking, he's a fucking psychopath. I mean, you know, you, you can't, you can't get to be that big and successful by just being, an average person you really can't there's look at any of these you know why that's why the word eccentric is usually precedes the word billionaire because that's that's what you have to be there has to be i think some level of insanity um certainly a level of of genius uh yeah i mean look at steve jobs was a notorious piece of shit to his employees just a fucking garbage person and guess what I'm talking into right now? <laughs> guess who made who made the thing that I'm talking into? Uh, 
same people that make the thing that I'm going to save this file to and then post it later as a podcast. And probably the same company uh, whose platform you're using to listen to this podcast. So yeah, Steve Jobs. And, and a little, uh, a lot crazy too because the guy, I mean, you know, some, some sociopathic tendencies probably. The way he was not, not really there as a dad or as a husband, just kind of a prick. Total asshole to his employees. Um, you know, workaholic, never stopped working. Uh, and then kind of didn't really believe too much in, uh, in like, uh, medicine and science and stuff. And so he's dead. He's been dead for 10 years. Uh, probably could still be alive because again, billionaire could have afforded the absolute best of medicine, of science, of anything. I mean, he could be, you know, they could have downloaded his consciousness into an iPhone if he wanted to probably. And then just had him just, you know, just plug him in. <laughs> the eye jobs is the new uh the new the new head of apple um yeah he was crazy maniac asshole psychopath <laughs> vince mcmahon same thing um and you know all these guys are like super manipulative too it's like you have to because that's the other thing you have to get people you don't just become a billionaire by yourself. You have to have some folks. Uh, there's a lot of pieces of that puzzle. You have to have great employees. You have to have buy-in from investors and business partners who believe in the vision. So, yeah, you have to be a visionary. Uh, you have to be a, an insane workaholic. You have to you know, sleep like three or four hours a night, basically. And you know, there's, a, there's, all these, there's all these pieces to it. And you have to be pretty brilliant. You have to have a product that nobody else has and be able to push that product and get people to buy into that product and all this other stuff. So you have to have – you have to get other people who might be just mild-mannered average people. You have to get them to buy in to what you're selling to the same level that you have bought in because it's your creation. So you have to be – there has to – there's a level of craziness that the average person doesn't have because like – I don't I don't like to recommend music because I don't give a shit if people like the music that I like or not. And I don't want them I don't want to find out that they if I recommended a movie or a video game or a, a, an artist to listen to and then they come back and like, "Yeah, it wasn't for me." Hey, fuck you. In 2010, I had a coworker and I was like, "Hey, the new Arcade Fire is out." And he's like, "Who's that?" I'm like, "Oh, you should take a listen. You might like it. It's a really good album." And he listened to it and he's like, "Yeah, that stunk. That's not for me." I'm like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Go listen to Steely Dan or whatever the hell you're into. Jackass. Uh, who cares? You don't like stuff that I like. <sighs> so I, I, you know, I don't, and I don't have that. Uh, I don't have that maniacal, insatiable desire for people to, <laughs> to buy into all the shit that I'm doing. So I, I, I come to terms with the fact that I'm never going to be a billionaire. I've also come to terms with the fact that I don't really give a shit. Uh, but Vince McMahon is a billionaire because he has – there's certain tendencies that you can see in Vince that are in other – again, yeah, Steve Jobs, Bezos. You know, there's also – there also has to be a, a certain prickishness uh, in not paying your people what they're worth. Stone Cold Steve Austin is on record saying uh, – you know, I don't know if he said in his book or in an interview that, you know, Vince McMahon – Basically, Vince McMahon's uh, uh, you know credo or whatever you want to call it is 
to never <laughs> to, for the, his for the people who work for him to never know how much they're worth which is a which is a fun little way of just saying I hope that I can always get away with underpaying the people who really fucking sweat and bleed literally for me and my company and my product. In other words, I think Steve Austin went to Vince and said, you're not paying me enough, dude. And, uh, you know, as Austin's popularity was, was skyrocketing, he's like, yeah, you need to pay me more. We need to figure something out. I need a bigger piece of my, my merch sales. I need this, I need that, whatever. And Vince said, yeah, okay, I can't afford to lose a guy like this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a... 